Thank you for staying with us. My name is Ariel Ben Lyman Hanavi. I'm the author of the commentary to Parashat Ki Tetzay. This is a commentary to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 10, through chapter 25, verse 19. This is the audio version, companion, I should say, to the written notes. If you are interested in getting all of the written material ahead of time, then log on to graftedin.com, navigate to the commentary section uh, right on the home page, and from there you will be able to um, download as a PDF document and or save, I should say print out as it were, uh, all of the written commentaries from Genesis all the way through Deuteronomy, and this would of course include any of the festival commentaries, such as Sabbath, uh, you know, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Pesach, and things like that. The written commentaries are companions to the audio commentaries, the podcasts, as it were. And I record these podcasts each week uh, in conjunction with the written notes. So that's why they work in conjunction with one another. I always recommend having them both handy when you're listening. Have the written notes come handy when you're re- uh, listening to the podcast if you can. But if not, just know that the written commentaries are always available, and until I finish recording all of the audio commentaries, they won't be available until I record them each week. I say that because many of you have written to me in the past uh, requesting the material um, ahead of time. Um, as it stands of, as of now, August 2007, all of the written material is available on the website at graftedin.com. However, um, the audio versions will not be finished until I finish uh, each tour portion. And uh, that's at the end of the reading cycle, but that'll be sometime in the middle of September, so I guess by maybe another month to go. Okay, so be patient with me. Perhaps one day, um, as many of you have been requesting, I will make all of the written materials available in a book. You keep praying for me, because I feel prompted to put all of these together into a... Um, uh, a devotional, as it were, um, uh, all of the commentaries. Perhaps I'll have one devotion for each book of the five, and then I'll have one, um, uh, you know, like kind of like, like a collection that'll have all five of them, and maybe you'll be able to uh, purchase them through our website or something like that. So keep praying about that. I feel the Lord tugging on my heart, uh, asking me to do that. And um, also, we'll see what we can do about getting all these audio commentaries available also as audiobooks, okay? So, with that being said, let's go back to my commentary. We are in Part B to Parashat Kitetse. We're on page 3 near the top, if you have the written notes. We've been talking about divorce and remarriage, or marriage and divorce. Our central text is Deuteronomy chapter 24, the first four or five verses there. And... We see that Moshe gives an allowance for a divorce document to be handed out, otherwise known in Judaism as a get. However, we've understood that there's no um, there's no easy way to deal with a divorce. And Judaism itself has, has two basic traditions uh, handed down from the two schools uh, from the first century and onwards uh, as far as um, how marriage and, and divorce works. Now, we're first talking about divorce. Um, and later on in my commentary, we're going to look at marital status. We're going to look at how divorce works in Judaism. We're going to look at the divorce decree. And, and, and I'm just going to give you some details. My disclaimer to this commentary is that I am no divorce. I'm no marriage counselor, and I'm certainly no divorce expert. To be sure, I am still married, and I plan on staying married until death do us part. You know what I mean? 
Um, I love my wife, and I plan on staying married to her, God uh, willing. Marriage is hard work. It's God's intensive uh, character-building lab. And I'm finding out day by day that, that, that you know what, it's, it's, it is the toughest assignment that I'm ever going to get from God, is being married and staying married, happily married, to my wife from South Korea. So, I'll pray for you, you pray for me. If you're married, <laughs> I'll pray for you, because marriage is tough work. And for those of you who are single and looking to get married, you better pray about that decision. It is tough work being married. Two schools of thought existed in the first century, and they both provided differing um, opinions, as it were, to the divorce options. We had the school of Shammai, which tended to be more conservative or strict, and then we had the school of Hillel, which tended to be more liberal or more generous. Um, divorce, um, uh, divorce cases that came through these two different schools uh, were looked at with differing sets of prerequisites before the get document, the marriage document, the bill, uh, sorry, the divorce document, the get could be um, given by the courts. As we looked at Matthew chapter 5, at a certain passage there, Yeshua, during his uh, Sermon on the Mount, um, seemed to take sides with the school of Shammai, the stricter, more conservative interpretation that divorce should not be um, an option unless one of the partners has been unchaste, unless um, um, infidelity has been an ingredient. And I should say ongoing infidelity, not merely once or twice, but ongoing infidelity within um, the marriage uh, contract itself. So we see that Yeshua seems to take that same opinion. And we're also going to find that if we read uh, Matthew chapter 19, um, verses 1 through 12, uh, that Yeshua gives some more details there concerning marriage and divorce. But what I want to do here in our Deuteronomy passage, I want to um, look at Deuteronomy chapter 24 and see how Moshe gives his ruling for marriage and divorce. And before I do that, though, I want to jump backwards into the Deuteronomy passage and look at two verses. Uh, relationships within any godly community are important. And from God's point of view, he is going to instruct us and he's going to provide us with the necessary framework so that we can approach one another correctly, so that we can establish a community that will be lasting and strong, families that are, that are, that are well um, founded on the word of God. That's the way it should be. And Judaism recognizes this, Christianity recognizes this, and thank goodness that this country of ours, the United States, was founded on a Judeo-Christian ethic, because these are the types of things that are going to help preserve our strong, healthy families. A reader of mine sent in a question along the lines of marriage and divorce, and uh, he specifically, he or she, I'm not sure if it's a male or female, I think it's a male, as you hear the question you'll understand, uh, he specifically had questions about being single, not yet married. And then he had a side question about um, same-sex relationship. Uh, you know, male with male, female with female. So let me just go ahead and pick up the question, and then you'll hear my answer. And, um, and then we'll talk about uh, what properties define marital status, the legal requirements for being married. And then we'll talk about divorce and the get, and then we'll draw our conclusions to this commentary, okay? Here is the question, and I don't believe I cleaned it up 
uh, redacted it or anything like that. I think it's just the original question. Quote, what is the Messianic Jewish position about remaining single? I've always heard that the rabbinical teaching is that a person is not truly a man until he has procreated. I am single and it looks like I may be remaining so. Does this mean that I am less a man? Does God want everyone to marry? What about a homosexual person who forgoes all sexual activity in order to be faithful to the Lord? I'd be interested in your thoughts on these issues. End quote. Now, before you guys get the wrong impression, I am not um, Dear Abby. I do welcome questions. However, I am not in a position where I can answer every single question that's sent in to me as a Torah teacher. Again, um, I look at every question that is sent in, and if I can, I try to respond and provide some sort of um, uh, Torah guideline to the question that's sent in. But unfortunately, I'm one person. I, I'm not an office. It's just me and me. <laughs> My wife um, doesn't even look at any of the questions. She doesn't field any of the emails that, I, that, that get sent in to me. Now, if you send an email into the Grafted and website, that's different. Um, that's going to be seen by the staff at the Harvest, and that means anyone from Mark to Michael to... Uh, Carissa to to Ernie, anyone can can field the question then, or myself. But if you send it into Yeshua613 at graftedin.com, uh, I'm sorry, Yeshua613 at hotmail.com, or you send it into messyrabbi at yahoo.com, well, then that's my personal website, or my personal emails, and I'm going to be seeing it. I think this was, this was sent into one of those directly. Here's my answer to this person's question. It looks like it's the male, but then again, it could be a female hiding behind um, um, the... Um, uh, supposition as the male. Here's my answer. Quote, I want you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In it, you'll find some very good instructions given to the married and the unmarried alike. Now, it is true that the rabbis had and still have a high view of marriage. The Talmud stresses this view. The unmarried person lives without joy, without blessing, and without good. And that's a quote from the Talmud. Um, Yevamut 62b. Uh, an unmarried man is not a man in the full sense. Again, this is according to the Talmud. I'm just pulling quotes here. As it is said, quote, Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name man. That's, of course, from Genesis 5.2, as is uh, cited from the same um, tractate, Masechat uh, Yevamut, Daf 63a. A wife meant a home, hence the saying, a man's home is his wife. That's according to Yoma 1.1. And um, Rabbi Yossi in the Talmud said, quote, Never have I called my wife by that word, but always my home. That's according to Tractate Shabbat 118b. Those quotes from the Talmud, by the way, I don't necessarily endorse them 100%, where it said the unmarried person lives without joy. I believe single people can live with joy. I believe a single people can live with blessing and with good. Uh, but you understand that the uh, the rabbis of old, the sages of old, are trying to instill within the community the first and best scenario that God has created for each individual. And that is, he created us male and female, and he knows our innermost needs and desires. And therefore he knows that, especially when it comes to the sexual union, there's not going to be the proper for fulfillment unless what we engage in takes place within 
the confines of a marriage contract. Okay, let me keep reading my commentary here. Don't let all of this uh, uh, stuff from the Talmud scare you. Remember, this is uh, this is commentary on the Torah. It's not, as I've mentioned earlier, that the authoritative Torah itself. Of course, traditional Judaism would stand uh, would tend to differ with me, uh, believing that the oral tradition is authoritative. I do not hold such opinion at uh, such an opinion. I believe that these are men's opinions, good opinions by the way, but but nevertheless man's opinion. High remarks are made in the Torah to the single individual who fully devotes himself to Hashem in his singleness and you can find that in the Corinthians passage. Pray about your potential mating. It is a very important decision to make, to be sure. The Torah designed it to be a lasting one. Now that's the first section of my answer to this individual who sent in the question. That um, covered the marriage angle. But you remember their question also asked about homosexuality. Let me go ahead and turn now to that particular side of the question quote from my commentary here. Now as far as the issue concerning homosexuality goes, the Torah is explicitly clear this lifestyle is not pleasing to Hashem and is there, uh, thereby forbidden. Now, um, we have two passages here in our Torah portion. Two verses I want to read. Chapter 23, verse 18 and verse 19. Read this way, quote, No woman of Israel is to engage in ritual prostitution, and no man of Israel is to engage in ritual homosexual prostitution. Verse 19, Nothing earned through heterosexual or homosexual prostitution is to be brought into the house of Adonai your God in fulfillment of any vow, for both of these are abhorrent to Adonai your God, end quote. So we see right here in the Tanakh, in the Torah explicitly, um, you know, we have instances that are told of pagan temple prostitution, uh, particularly as we read down through the um, narratives that have been provided for us, you'll see that uh, temple prostitution is, 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 is normal. And when I say temple prostitution, we have both pagan temple prostitution and unfortunately we find cases of Temple prostitution within the house of the Lord. That's right. We find that Israel did not heed the words of the Torah, and they had also engaged in uh, temple prostitution. But in these examples, we see women, and sometimes men, who had separated themselves unto the temple cult. Reading from my answer here. This sanctification, by the way, is where we get the Hebrew word kadosh, from, meaning set apart for a specific work. Um, this this word is, is very ancient, and it shows up in uh, ancient texts that are even older than Hebrew, uh, that use a, uh, like, for instance, the Akkadian has a cognate similar to the Hebrew root word kadash, which means separated and set apart. This separation was certainly not prescribed by the Torah of Moshe, and was not condoned by the Holy One. To be sure, it was condemned. It was proscribed. If you, and speaking to the person who sent in the question, if you mean a homosexual turning from that lifestyle and foregoing all further sexual activity in order to pursue faithfulness to Hashem, then I applaud that. Let his teshuvah, let his repentance be true. He must renounce his sin of homosexuality and turn to Hashem with a renewed heart 
There is where repentance is seen when we find someone of this lifestyle turning from that lifestyle and turning unto God. Yes, that is a good thing there. True biblical separation always agrees with the will of Hashem and accomplishes the purposes of Hashem. So we see uh, that some lifestyles forbid some lifestyles are forbidden by God, and we cannot walk into the will of God unless we. Um, unless we turn away from these lifestyles. This would include prostitution on any level, and this, of course, would include homosexuality. My commentary goes on to say in the answer, quote, because homosexuality, uh, homosexuality is outside the pale of a biblically correct lifestyle, it is not sanctified or blessed, but rather condemned by the Torah. Um, this Torah teacher, that's me, I do not recommend such a lifestyle for anyone. I recommend forgiveness through the shed blood of Messiah Yeshua. And this forgiveness has been made abundant for everyone, regardless of your past sins. In conclusion, I said to this, uh, to this person who sent in the question, Thus we see that our passages here in the Torah portions are not in contradiction to Yeshua's rulings on the matter. Moreover, Moshe's rulings do not undermine Hashem's original intentions for the married couple. Rather, quoting Dr. Stern again, quote, Yeshua in adducing scripture harks back to the beginning in Gan Eden, uh, which is the Garden of Eden, to support his view that a marriage must not be dissolved for anything less than the most direct insult to its one flesh integrity, and that, of course, is adultery. End quote. That's David Stern's um, quote from his uh, Jewish New Testament commentary. Um, he goes on to point out, as I have above, that, um, and he is, by the way, David Stern, he goes on to point out, as I have above, that, quote, Judaism has always considered marriage both normal and desirable. And then, um, quoting the Talmud again from uh, Tractate Yevamot, the unmarried person lives without joy, without blessing, and without good. An unmarried man is not fully a man, end quote. That's Yevamot 62b as well as 62a. Now that's the end of my que of my answer to this person who sent in the question. You must understand that God designed the marriage contract to be a lasting one. God designed people to be happy. Male and female, he created us. And he created us to join with one another. God did not create man to join with man. God did not create woman to join with woman. That is toeva. The Hebrew word means abomination. It's abominable. God says don't do it. And if you want to put bring down the curses in your life. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or not. If you want to bring the curses down into your life real fast, just do those things which the Torah calls abominable. And homosexuality is abominable. Now, we've all been taught that God hates the sin but loves the sinner. I'm not so sure that there is a, fi uh, there is a stark difference, a, a hard and fast line between the sinner and the sin. The Torah seems to describe the very real um, uh, uh, reality, the the very the very um, plain reality, the very um, unpleasant reality, that those who continually sin are sinners. Therefore, God hates sin as it's practiced by sinners. Um, God loves all of us, but God hates sin, and the sinner is the person whose life is characterized by sin. Therefore, it's not so easy to simply say, God hates the sin but loves the sinner. 
We must understand the sinner is the person who willfully and continually sins despite the grace that has been extended to him by God. So, um, God condemns the sinner. God condemns the sin. And so, you don't want to find yourself in a place where you are continually sinning. That might be evidence that there's no Holy Spirit activity within you. You might want to check your salvation status. So, uh, homosexuality is wrong. Who, 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 who commits homosexual acts? Well, people who are driven to that desire and who are rejecting the grace of God. I understand some people struggle with it and are seeking God. You keep seeking God. God will make his grace abundant. What does the Torah say? Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So if you are finding yourself going down this path of homosexuality and you are desiring to get out of it, then fall on the mercy and grace of God. But if your heart's turned cold and you don't care, well then be careful. God's judgment is waiting for you on the other end, okay? I'm going to go ahead and um, call this Part B um, for this section in the commentary. We're in the middle of page four or so. Um, we've just got through talking about... We, well, we just took the question from the reader about marriage to, uh, and remaining single and about homosexuality. Um, in our next section, two commentary, Parashat uh, Kitetse, we are going to talk about the... Um, properties that define marital status, what are the legal requirements for being married, how divorce works in Judaism today, and then we'll talk about the Jewish divorce decree, which is known as a get in its proceedings, and then we'll draw some conclusions to the commentary. So stay with us. That will be the final section to my commentary, Part C. Um, stay tuned for that. Parashat Kitetzeh.